This podcast is based on real-life events that are portrayed to the best of Athena and Amber's memory and also backed by court records and other factual evidence. While all the stories in the podcast are true, some names and identifying details have been changed to protect the privacy of the people involved. Previously on Ex-Wives Undercover, Avery shockingly betrays all of us. We find out that she is in court testifying for Ben. Soon after, all of us women in the Charlie's Angels thread, except Avery that is, is off to celebrate Amber's birthday. And while that is all happening, we find out that Avery goes against her domestic violence no contact order and heads off to Arizona on a trip with Ben to go and see Billy Joel. Using our super sleuth detective skills, Amber and I find all of the proof that we need to show the court that Ben has violated the no contact order with Avery. But of course, sneaky Ben figures out a way to get his ankle monitor off and fools the entire court and gets off scot-free. Shocker, right? To wrap up this episode, we find out that the visitation monitor supervising Ben and Sydney's visits is a complete quack. And last but not least, Amber is served a restraining order from Ben. Welcome to Ex-Wives Undercover. Liars, cheaters, and love cons. I'm Amber. And I'm Athena. First we told our story, and now we're sharing all of your craziest and most heart-wrenching stories of love gone wrong. Sometimes we laugh. And sometimes we cry. But more importantly, we we stand stand together. together. All right, girl. You ready to do this? Let's do it. The views, information, or opinions expressed on our show by our guests are solely the views of those individuals involved and by no means represent absolute facts. Opinions expressed by the host and guests may change at any time. Our podcast and YouTube show may at times cover sensitive topics, including but not limited to suicide, abuse, violence. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. Season 2, Episode 3, Legally Brawned. March of 2019 brought fun times with new and unlikely friends in my husband's ex-wife Athena and former girlfriends Deanna and Deandra. But that was short-lived because I was ordered to face Ben in court that same month to defend myself against his blatant lies about me and request for a straining order. This was clearly his way of retaliation and a means to hurt me. He knows this would put me over the edge, like having to go to court. He knows I'm going to have a panic attack. I'm going to have a meltdown. And he knew it. He knew it. And I'm just reading this stuff going, oh, what? What? It's all fake. All of it. I remember you called me going, Athena, oh my God, what the fuck? He's trying to do this against Sydney too, so I can't see her. And I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. Like, and then it was like the light bulb moment where I was like, Wait a second. Yes. When he got served with the new parenting plan, he signed off and um, automatically agreed to have the protection order against Sydney, which we talked about the last episode. And so therefore, I knew that it would be okay, but we just had to show up and make sure because how many times have we gone in thinking it was a slam dunk and we were just made fools of. And you just never know what is actually submitted 
if it's real or if it's not, it was shocking seeing that he was now turning on you. And I think why, um, he always had you, he always thought he could have you in his back pocket a little bit Mm because you have such a big heart. But then I think once he knew that you knew everything about Anne, um, Avery, and now Deanna, Mm -hmm. I think he really felt like, okay, I'm done. She's not coming back. And that's when he went hard against you to try to like manipulate us into backing off of it. He had Avery on his side at this point. So he was definitely playing the Amber's just so vengeful because I didn't choose her. And I'm like, oh, okay. Keep, keep going with that story. But I just, I had just coming off, coming off, came off a Boffle court proceeding where he told the courts and submitted a fake email from me saying that I confessed that it was all made up and that I lied with the the restraining order. I'm just thinking, what do you need a restraining order on? I haven't done anything. And he goes back to when he attacked me. I'll just read you a couple of his ridiculous statements. Remember when he attacked me, when I found out he was cheating, he turns it around and he says, I was physically assaulted. And this has caused me tremendous amount of fear and anxiety. I was like, are you kidding me? You're kidding me. Um, I don't even know what she'll do next. And I'm receiving threats. And I recently received text saying what she was planning to do to make sure he gets his. I'm like, oh my God. And then he says, I will provide the text at the next court hearing. So then right there, I'm thinking, oh, great. He's totally going to fake something. He goes on to talk about how I assaulted him. And now Mm -hmm. I'm going to every extreme that she can hurt me and cause me tremendous anxiety and stress. I can't eat, sleep, and I always have to look over my shoulder. And she has someone oh, driving. Guy. <laughs> he says she has someone driving by and keeping oh, yeah. hands on me and stalking me. And I was like, oh my God, I do this all from Oregon? You're part of the mob, basically. Like, oh yeah. The mafia. Like you would think. I mean, he's the way so he's, frightened of you. He's, he's so, so painting that picture that seriously, I'm part of the mob. And the scary part is, is that when this is he actually tried, if I remember this correctly. He went to a courthouse different from the one that we end up going to where he actually got the initial one. They denied him the first time. So then he goes to a secondary one at Shoreline. Mm -hmm. And however, whatever he does, it works for the temporary until we can all, you can appear. Um, And so again, you don't know what judge you're going to be in front of because again, This judge has no idea what his background is. They don't look at the background records or what's going on. So unless you submit all of those things, they have no idea. And when I remember you forwarded me his statements, and if I'm a judge and I have no idea um, about the background of any of the parties, it's scary reading that. You think, could they, could this judge believe this? That's scary. Ben knew about the anxiety I struggled with that only grew worse during my time with him. He was banking on me choking on the stand. I didn't sleep or eat leading up to my day in court. I did my absolute best to put together an ironclad defense. But what was the ace I was keeping in my back pocket that Ben didn't know about? Athena. I remember us getting there, sitting in the little pews or whatever you want to call them, and sweating bullets, scared to death, shaking, shaking. Just, I can't do this, I can't do this. 
you were channeling oh. Allison all the way, like badass biatch, like <laughs> bring it, mother. Cause it's not, it wasn't your case, right? It's it so wasn't me different. for once. Oh, yes. it's night and day. You know, he I had no idea that you were gonna come. And he walks through the front. And he was late. He was last he was late coming in. Yes. He was late. He walks in, he looks right at us, and you're like <laughs> from ear to ear and I'm like stop it stop it he's like staring daggers at us and I'm like he's gonna kill us you stop it right now stop smiling and you're just like hi Ben <laughs> staring at the surprise like, biatch you have like a really air about you like I got this yeah. you are not winning I on the other hand did not have it <laughs> It's like pitting out. Uh, I was just staring at the ground, like I can't do this. I don't want to do this. And oh, I know. Has, I felt. Do you so, that's him? how I feel. Ugh. Yeah. Do you remember him walking, Sorry. staring at us? He's walking towards yes. us, staring yes. at us, like piercing eyes, and he sits right behind us. Right behind us. He was going <sighs> and like breathing behind us, staring. Like every time oh. I turned to look at you, I could see I him know. staring at me. He wanted me to make eye contact. Like, what are you doing? Oh, here? I know. And, like scold me and i'm just like Ugh. i stood up and i said your honor may i speak i am the mother and then he's remember he goes she shouldn't be allowed to yes or something like that and then and even at the beginning do you remember they called Alyssa Bryan, his attorney because he was acting he was trying to get a continuance when you driven out all the way from oregon yes and acting like he was represented when actually he, he had paid this woman and yeah. they were this this judge she was she was pretty rad she yeah. picked up on it and she was like, well, we're going to call him her office on speaker right now. How about you patch me through to her bailiff? And they so call saying for him, they call and they're like, actually, he needs to pay. He hasn't. He's just trying to delay. Like, and that's just yeah. abusive. That's what they do. They just drag it on forever. He knew I drew drove down. He knew I took off work. And um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. the big part of it was that he had no jurisdiction over Sydney. You know, Amber, I both have a no contact order. Um, also, Sydney's protected with this one year order and it has stricken his decision making. He doesn't even have visitation with her. Therefore, he is not, you know, in my understanding, within his legal rights to demand that Sydney not be able to see her stepmother, whom is a huge like support system in her life right now. We had our first big win that day, finally. Ben's ridiculous request for a restraining order was denied. It was such a relief when she basically threw it out. And it was just <sighs> like, a win. I needed that win. Nanny, nanny, Thank boo, you. Boo. Here's another thing we were really upset about. I don't know if you remember this, but that was when we were realizing that because he did not get one against you, it kind of falls off the like court record system. Mm -hmm. And so the only reason she would, or any of the judges knew in the future when he continued to like abusively litigate with us was because we had to submit it. And that was, mm -hmm. that was something that was really hard for us because we felt like it would get thrown out immediately if they'd already seen that he had tried previously and had already been denied. Mm -hmm. um, but they don't keep track of the, the denials. Right. Which is very odd. So we had to very odd. keep very good records, take yes. all your time to find all these, these things. He has a pattern of retaliating against women to shut them oh. up. Yeah. You were like this, 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 we had everything ready to go. Yeah. Oh, oh it was so good. It was such a relief. And it I was. can't even thank you enough so for good. showing up there because I think that it would have been a different situation had you not shown up. 
I don't think I could have conveyed nor had the answers. I don't know the parenting plan. You know what I mean? Like it just wouldn't have had the same effect. And I don't know that it would have been the same result. And then you are welcome. I owed you. Thank you. You had my back. That was the beginning of us totally having each other's back. Yes. Yeah. Right before that. And then from then moving forward, he knew not to fuck with us anymore. He yeah. played us against us. He had used you to help him win against me so many times. Oh, totally. But in that moment, he, whoa. Do you remember? I mean, you could just feel the anger radiating off of him. I think they actually um, escorted us out after that. Mm. Do you remember that? They did. Same, yes, same with the Balfa one that they. Yes. You know. As if all of this wasn't enough, I needed to get a new car. My little Kia was getting older and needing lots of repairs and I really didn't want Ben to know where I lived, what kind of car I drove, or anything. My best friend worked at a bank and I had casually sent her a text one day asking about rates. And a few minutes later, she called and said, Amber, I can't get you alone. And she doesn't text me back. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? And she calls me instead. And I could tell by her voice that something was wrong. And I'm like, what, what? I've always had really good credit. And so I've never been denied for anything. And so she goes, Ams, uh, did you know you have collections? I can't, I can't get you a loan. I'm like, uh, what are you talking about? No. She's like, yes. I'm like, no. collections for what? And she's like IVF. And all of a sudden I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my God. And it just dawned on me. He's a shit. That first round of IVF, he wrote a check, not a credit card. He gave a check and he wrote it in full. Oh my God. And the very next day they called and said, or I got a bill like a couple of days later saying you owe this amount of money. And I'm like, "Uh, no, he paid in, in full. I saw it. And then they, they said, no, the check was canceled. And so me and him had argued like for probably six months, I kept getting bills in the mail and he's like, Oh no, I'm taking care of it. I got it taken care of. They don't know what they're talking about. I just talked to the finance person, Amber. So for about six months we were arguing and then nothing. And then I heard nothing. I never seen another phone call. I never received an email. I never received anything in the mail. I thought it was taken care of. I should have looking back, called them myself to confirm that it was taken care of. But I assume because everything went dead silent that plus you had so much on your plate and and this one, was three years one person prior. can only have so much mental capacity to deal with all these little things so if it's not extremely blaring at you you just kind of put it to rest and yeah. move to the next crazy thing to wipe you yeah. know like finish up uh-huh. with them so and when we did yeah. IVF, it was the end of 2015 and the very beginning of 2016 so we're in 2019 wow now, so- it had been that long. Oh. I've never heard a peep out of anything. And now were you I, on credit karma or any of those websites that monitor your credit no, that could have dinged I you never, and said, Hey, by the way, I never got anything. And I don't really check that stuff. Cause I'm like, why okay. I have great credit. Like I don't, I paid all my bills on time. I, mm-hmm. I, I just didn't. And, um, I guess certain it was, so it's weird. Cause I'm like, how did I get approved for renting my home? if I had that much collection. So I think it depends on what agency has it listed under of the three bureaus. So anywho, I got informed that day that I had $17,000 of charges that he basically, 
And I always wonder like, well, isn't he technically, because he signed the paperwork with me, why isn't he on this? But I'm the one that had the procedure done on my body. And I think that, I don't know. I don't know if they've also sent him collections to at some point. I have no idea. Were you married at that time? Physically married during that first one? No, we were just engaged. That's how I got stuck with collections because we were physically married when he went to treatment and then never went, even though he was on it and it was medically his because we were married. I got stuck with it because he had filed bankruptcy. So it went went down to me. No. And we weren't married at the time. We were just engaged. So So you would have been fucked either way. Yeah. Give a double whammy either way. Yeah. Hanging up the phone, I could feel the panic attack about ready to happen. How was I going to pay for this? I was already struggling as it was, and this was also another slap to the face by a man that claimed for so many years that he loved me. I was in shock because that was the last thing I thought about. I I just, what? And all I could think of was like, I can't afford any of this. This is all too much. I'm back and forth to Seattle every other day. I'm dealing with court. I'm dealing with restraining orders. I'm dealing with multiple women. I'm dealing so with much. all this oh stuff. God. And then that was, was just so like the straw that broke the camel's yeah. back. And I remember, I remember looking down, I was at work and I remember looking down at my phone and I had two or three missed calls from you. And I was like, Oh shit. But I was <laughs> in between clients that were 15 or 20 minutes apart. Yeah. I mean, I've had panic attacks before, but this one was worse. And I, I I think the more scared I got, the worse it got. And I think until you have a panic attack, you don't, you actually feel like you're dying. I thought I was dying and my eyesight started blacking out Oh yeah, and I was getting faint and I crawled somehow over to the couch. So I managed to call my mom first and I, I was crying. I was bawling and I'm like, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And she's like, what, what? And she's on the other end and she's 30 minutes away. So she's freaking out. Like what happened? What happened? I'm like, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And I'm on the ground and fucking the dog's on top of me. <laughs> like I remember. what's going on? And I'm like, get off me. And I was like, come get boogie, come get boogie and bring some panic medicine that my dad had. So then I start trying to text you guys and it was completely incoherent because I couldn't see. I'm like, Ugh. and I think you guys got me on the phone and I'm like, it was, yeah, yeah. I can't yeah, breathe. And I, I can't breathe. Yeah. And we were trying to calm you down. We're like, just breathe, just breathe. And we're like, what's going on? You're telling us. And then you fell off the couch. Do you remember yeah. that? You were like <laughs> yeah, on your back. So... And like, you fell onto your knees, I think. My client's walking in. I, I was like, oh, oh God. Oh, fuck. Like, Deanna's like, I got this. Yeah. Like, okay, Deanna, just go. Her and I her got daughter this. were in the car. And they were, oh, so, God. her daughter probably thought I was a nut job. Kenzie. And so I'm yeah, Kenzie's in the car with Deanna and Deanna's oh, calm, cool, collected. You got this. Just breathe with me. Focus. Come on. Focus, so Amber. And I was she like, was so great, okay. wasn't she? She was so I am so thankful. She's like, been through it too. Oh my gosh. So it only took her a couple minutes. I was able to kind of get myself together and my breathing slowed down. And she really helped me in so many ways. And then right as I'm like, okay, I'm gonna live. And I heard the screeching. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best part. Oh my God. Mama, Mama like, JD to the rescue. I just hear this screeching out the front. And I look out the window and I'm my mom's car. My mom's going, I can't talk. <laughs> Doesn't she go up and over the curb onto the grass? 
I just, I uh, caught you break. I'm running. still on my like hands and knees and I'm peeking up over the window and she comes uh, roaring, like roaring full speed at the little Nissan oh, around the corner. <laughs> was up over the curb half like <laughs> on the curb half like in the grass in between she comes running out and it's like whoa whoa Baywatch Baywatch I'm dying too and so then I'm, I start laughing and then I'm crying because I'm watching my mom and I thought she was going to barrel through my front door like karate <laughs> chop it down <laughs> her face was like I'm here I'm here and I'm like I'm all better, mom. And she's like, <laughs> just having a complete meltdown. She's dying. <laughs> totally dying. Oh my so God. Then, yeah, I get we all thought you were. I started laughing so hard. I was snorting. I was drooling. I was laughing so oh hard God. at the complete. I think I was show. on the phone. I think my client was gone and I was on the phone with you and you're like, oh, it's okay. Oh. My mom's here. And then you're like, oh, oh. and then it was like, okay, I'll call you back. And then, I, then you call me back and you're like, you're like, whoa, okay. Like, she went up over the curb. I was like, is your mom okay? Did she hit the mailbox? Like, what is happening? Oh I mean, if anyone oh could God. just see this scene of me <laughs> curled up on the floor on FaceTime, I sound like I'm in Lamaze class. I'm like, <laughs> and then the dog's on top of me. Like, what's going on, mama? And he's licking my face <laughs> and he's on me. And I'm like, get off of me, get off of me. And I'm screaming. Oh, and Fiona's me. like, Amber, focus, focus. You can do this. And I'm like, I know, I know. <laughs> my mom she was oh. not seeing the humor in it by the time she got there. She was so scared she and so panicked in those th that 30 minute drive. <laughs> oh, no. I was freaking out too. Oh. I couldn't wait to get rid of my client and call you back. I'm like, oh, oh. is she okay? Yeah. Like, she can be the yeah. hospital. It's a movie scene that what happened in my living room that day needs to be a movie scene one day because like the ex-wife, yes. the girlfriend, the grandma, my dog, <laughs> all the pandemonium and like, oh, yeah, I'm just sitting here like, you do oh, this, this to has me. to be a scripted movie. Yeah. I know. I'm just like, how could he do this to me? What did I do to him? Why? Why is he doing this? I don't understand. I'm just blubbering, it like just so blubbering mean. over everything. He's yeah. so mean. It's true. I don't know why he's yeah, doing true. this to me. He's the devil. Yeah. He's the devil. With all the craziness of court dates and driving back and forth to Seattle, me and Ben's lease was also up on our house in Hillsboro. And I had to be out ASAP. This time it was only me and my mom packing up a 2,000 square foot house all by ourselves. I had oh to gosh, okay. come up with the yes. money to pay for my rent because he stopped. He stopped paying on everything. He shut all my utilities off. Um, so I had to pay. I didn't have yes. the money. So again, I'm totally financially strapped, <laughs> even worse. And I can't communicate with Ben because of the no contact. So it has to be through my lawyer. And so I, you know, I did my part. I packed up all my belongings. I got myself a again. storage unit uh, yes, again. by myself because I didn't dare ask Ugh. a friend after what I did. Um, no, phoning, no. no phoning a friend. <laughs> no. Absolutely not. I did not dare do that. But my mom, Grandma Jeannie, she helped. So we, it was a 2000 square foot house. It's not huge, but it's a lot for one person. All of Ben's belongings. He oh loves to tell gosh. people he never moved there, but yeah, I have so all, much all stuff. All this stuff. Everything. I have clothes. I have baby books. I have baseball cards. I have his hat. Do you collection. remember the cereal boxes he collected? Yes. I had all yeah, of those. The Kellogg's yeah. I had everything. Oh. He kept saying, Amber, can you just pack everything up and put oh, it in storage? Right. And I was like, uh, no, 
And literally, we have. Who the fuck does he think he is to ask you that? By the way, exactly. My personal belongings, rent a storage lock, store pay for it, storage locker for my stuff, pay for it, and physically move and carry all my boxes after everything I just did for you. I mean, I holy, like, could he be any more ballsier? So he kept saying, but I can't get down there. I have an ankle monitor on. I was like, well, you went to Arizona. That didn't stop you. Um, and I have a no contact order. And I was like, but I'm not even going to be at the house. So get your ass down to Oregon and get your belongings. Try. I packed up all of his belongings and put it all in boxes neatly in the garage. All he had to do was come and pack. You know what I mean? I cleaned every speck of that house. I did everything. And I kept telling the lawyers, like, here's his options. You either come get your stuff, all of it. Um, no, I'm not getting you a storage unit. Um, so if no, you don't come by this time, then I will save your most precious memorabilia, like your baby photos. And I will put one to two boxes in my storage unit only. And the rest will be donated. That's it. That's your yep. options. <laughs> and he kept saying no. And I'm like, okay, these are your options. It's in writing. Yeah. I'm telling you right now. So it came down to it. And the day before we had to be out, I'm like, hello, any word? And all of a sudden I look at my email and there was a message from U-Haul and I'm like, what? And it says, oh you're, cause he kept saying, I'll pay for the U-Haul truck and I'll, you know, and you can just go and add it to everything. And so I see that he hacked into my U-Haul account, reserved a U-Haul truck for me to put his stuff in under my credit card. Like I would have had to he never had that information. He never had login information. That's right. He never had my credit oh card. Oh my gosh. And I logged in. I was like, no, I canceled it. And then two hours That's later, right. oh my I gosh, have another yes. reservation ding on my phone. And I had changed the password to one he would never have known. And he, he somehow hacked in again. Yeah. And reserved it again. Clearly spyware again on our phones. But, but I think at this time I already changed my phone. I had a new phone at that point. So I was like, how in the hell is he getting in? I don't know. Oh my God. So I had to cancel again. And then I'm freaking out going, oh, great. So if he got into that, what else is he in? And I've spent all this time and all this money. So then me and my mom had to buy ourselves. I think it took us like six hours going back and forth and back and forth. Because this time I didn't have the U-Haul track. I just had my dad's little tiny pickup. And we donated his belongings. (laughs) Oh my God. It all went to to the needy. Every morning, I would wake up, grab my phone, and always find new information and messages regarding Ben. I had emails from attorneys, calls from police officers, and ongoing texts on the thread with the other women Ben had victimized. The number of women seemed to grow each month. So it was no surprise that on the evening of March 17th, 2019, I received a message from Dee regarding a woman named Haley. She starts messaging me and then it was like messages and then followed with uh, screenshots. And so I'm like, oh, that's awesome. She's like, but wait. And she's like, cliffhanger like she's leaving me with cliffhanger so i'm like she's typing right it's on facebook messenger i'm like what is where's she going with this so then the next thing she says i posted it on the single mom's uh private facebook group another woman messaged me privately and said may i share this she said yes please just crop my name out 
So then she shares it on a different private single mom's Facebook group. And that is when a woman named Haley sees it and recognizes Ben and decides to do her own huge post. It was like a public one for every, all of her friends. It wasn't just in a private group, um, Haley's post. So at the time, Dee thought that she had messaged me and said something along the lines of somebody must have saw it and sent him a screenshot of it. But later we found out that Haley didn't realize that they were still friends on Facebook, her and Ben. Oh, no kidding. Because oh. Ben then goes and messages her and was like, that's so messed up. He starts accusing um, you. He thinks you're the one who originally posted oh, it. That's right. I remember that. I was yeah. like, I'm not a single mom. Hello. Why would I be that? I know. Okay. I know. I wonder who ratted the person out because somehow he found out about what was being posted on the single moms group. And then he yeah. text messages the admin of the group threatening yes. litigation, basically. The reason why he knew nobody routed anyone out is because Haley then screenshot the post on the page and it shows like the names of the admins. I mean, it shows the groups. So all he had to do was go to the group, which then shows the admin. And then he obviously she did not know that they were friends on Facebook. So he tricked wow. her somehow originally when they yeah. became friends and then morphed it a year or two later because that was back in 2012. I remember yep. that was a big deal and he was learning <laughs> litigation like he always does. And, he, and I love the admin's response, but she says, he goes, now this is very serious. This needs immediate attention. Like ASAP. And she goes, I agree. This is serious. And then he says, so here is my attorney's phone number. You need to call her. She goes, um, I'm sorry, but I'm not calling anybody. This is like on you. If you're that worried, <laughs> here's my number. You have your attorney call me. You don't call me. You right. have your attorney call me. Nice. He said, because of you, this post being posted, I'm now receiving death, death threats. threats. Yes. That's what it was. Okay. Yes. Yes. And in our restraining orders recently, he said that our listeners, girls, ladies who listen to our podcast I and know. gentlemen, apparently you all are sending him death threats. So he wrote yes. that in court that our podcast listeners are now threatening his life and he's scared for his safety. So I know. I know. it's a little fame. It's a, th it's a th theme throughout the years that everyone's trying to get it. That evening, I decided to reach out to Haley myself and thank her for posting her personal story regarding Ben. Haley obviously wanted to warn other women and save anyone she could from having to experience the things that she had endured from Ben, and I admired her bravery. After dinner, I sent her a message, and she responded right away. At the time, I just remember going, Oh no, another one. Are you kidding me? Another one. And I was like, oh, it was during Athena's time. Because that's when you realize little Benny boy, who as he was trying, because you had called her yourself basically and was like, when did you guys date? Yeah. Uh, yes. And she said 2012. And you're like, okay, because I filed for divorce in 2012, but we weren't officially uh -huh. divorced. So there was some crossover. So while he was losing 30 pounds and he was so devastated that you wouldn't take him back, Poor Ben, he was whining and dining Miss Haley, having the time and stalking the shit out of her, and stalking her. Yeah. No, I decided, like you said, to message her, which right. I text her on messenger. I can't remember. And then she was like, can we just talk? Because it was a lot. And so I remember the next morning talking and 
she was telling me about how they met a match, how um, he was so aggressive. She right away was just like, meh, like she saw the red flags right away. Um, he would show up to her apartment. She had to end up changing her phone number, moving to a new home and she had to change her job. That's what's crazy. Like, so if you'd only date a couple, few handful of months, and then it gets mm-hmm. to the extreme of where, did she try to get a restraining order or no? I, I don't remember. So she just changed the phone number, changed jobs, changed places where she lived. She might've, I'm wondering bad. if she tried, but she couldn't get them served. So, like most. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The court battles continued between Ben, Avery, Amber, and myself. In the previous hearing, Avery was denied her request to have her no-contact order against Ben lifted, which obviously pissed Ben off. The hate Ben had for Amber and I grew even more after his attempt to get a restraining order against Amber had failed only a few weeks prior. Amber and I couldn't help but feel absolutely terrified of what Ben was plotting to do to both of us, and we couldn't shake the feeling that something bad was going to happen to us on that day. Amber had driven up from Oregon the night before the hearing, and she stayed with me. The following morning, we were off to attend another pretrial hearing against Ben. Driving there, and of course, all of a sudden, like we pull into the we're starting to pull into the parking lot and all of a sudden I'm screaming, Oh my God, there he is. I see his black truck and I'm like, he's there. He's there. Oh, and you start screaming and I'm screaming and I duck. And then oh my gosh. you duck I and I'm like, you're driving, drive. You can't duck. I you're know. driving. And so we're swerving so everywhere. We were looking for a parking spot. So I had to go around the building a few times. So oh while God. I was coming around, he was on the main road when I pulled out driving towards me. So that meant his driver's side door on the opposite, you know, and mine yeah. were next to other. So when we were doing that. I was so afraid <laughs> to even be that close, even though we were in separate cars in different lanes that you were ducked at hiding, screaming. And I was like, ah, I was trying to shrug my whole body over to you i know duck, and i was like, like drive, 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 up on the drive. curb so i think you know? i grabbed the steering wheel and like <laughs> <laughs> so i'm reaching over trying to drive and we're all over the place then i remember just parking like oh fuck oh fuck yeah and we were just like shaking and then we had to laugh at ourselves a little bit but we were both of us we were shaking he just kind of came out of nowhere and it took me off guard even though you lived in oregon there were moments where you would look out your window and see a truck and be scared or there oh, was yeah. a truck parked outside once and we would call each other just to make sure if anything happened to us, we would know to call 911 or we just yeah. knew what would happen to each other and that it was him. And, but he lived like a mile from my house. And so he went to the same grocery stores. He lived in the same vicinity. And every time I would drive, I would see the black truck. I would look for it. And with every court hearing that does not go in his favor or anything that he asks of us that we wouldn't follow through with because shut down your podcast. Um, yeah, no, um, with all those things, there's always going to be retaliation to follow. We know that. And so Mm -hmm. I'm always knowing that he's going to be lurking around any, every corner and you just never know when he's going to hit. Once we saw that Ben had gone inside, we entered the building. The double doors at the entrance were separated by a rope 
to distinguish the entrance and the exit. The entrance of the courthouse had the standard metal detector right up front, and there was a police officer facilitating the incoming traffic. Because of the many interactions with the Bothell PD, Amber and I had developed a relationship with many of the officers. So when we walked in, we immediately recognized the officer in charge of the courtroom entrance. In fact, Amber had spoken to this man multiple times this past week. So he was very versed in our case and the things that Ben had done to us. While we were waiting to walk through the metal detector, Amber and I say hello to the officer and reintroduce ourselves. The police officer immediately recognizes us and starts to recount the main points of our case. In that same moment, Amber and I see Ben to our far left. He's at the court clerk's counter and he looks like he's trying to wheel and deal with this woman. Next, Ben turns around looking displeased and sees us standing there in line. My heart immediately begins pounding. I was looking down and then I look up and he's charging at us. Like he's walking mm-hmm. really fast towards us and it happened so quickly. Talking shit. Talking shit. Phone down to his side. Leave him the fuck alone. And he's screaming at us to leave, leave him alone. alone. Get out of here. You guys fucking get out of here. You leave me alone. And, yeah. and I'm just like, we didn't even mumble anything. We're just like. <gasps> we were kind of in mid-convo. So when our facial expressions, our body language changed so dramatically, he just stood there watching us and then his eyes moved to the right and he looked at Ben coming at us then he mm-hmm. looked at us and I was like I couldn't get the words out I was looking at I couldn't officer, either like help help he just yeah we I remember so shaking scared. my head like he goes is yes. that him goes, and I'm like yes him? we were just pinned we yeah. couldn't go any further away from him we were yeah. stuck and we hadn't gone through the metal detector yet no, it just was like slow motion and it was as we it gave was. the the go ahead to the cop like yes that's him he got on his radio and like two seconds later, there's three yeah. cops. Yeah. They come out of nowhere. They oh, tackle him on guys. the ground. He's like nose oh, planted on the ground, hands behind his back. The officer is on top of him. And I'm just like mouth on the ground. Like what the hell just happened? Oh my I God. Know. He still had a way of trying to make us feel bad for him. I was on my phone. I wasn't even talking to them. It's like, really? Yes, you were. Yes. Yes, your you were. Your phone was down to your side. You're holding your cell phone next to your jeans pocket uh the phone wasn't up to your ear but nice try i mean god he he just spits out those lies and excuses it's amazing what the hell just happened was the court hearing still going to happen would this be a violation of our restraining orders amber and i stood there speechless until the bothell prosecutor walked up to us and explained what was happening next ben's attorney arrived and immediately began to advocate for his client. New counsel has come on board just as of Friday. We've had several different discussions. I've been trying to get counsel up to date as to the procedural history of this case. And that brief is mainly um, procedural history of this case, as well as a few new allegations that the city has that the defendant's been violating his pretrial witness conditions. I also have another oral violation that I would like to make today in court. I believe counsel is ready to address those matters. All right, where is Mr. Johnson? He was, he came to court, uh, but, um, good afternoon, Your Honor. Good afternoon, Mr. Trumbull. Uh, Kevin Trumbull, for the record, my first appearance on the Johnson case, and this case is extremely unusual, appears that um, a lot of uh, procedural history already, and um, 
maybe I'll stop trying to summarize it sometime we do a while in the case. I just walked in the door and he was taking being taken into custody in the lobby. I think what is what sort of short circuits all of this is that the officers made a clear representation to me that they feel they have probable cause to make an arrest for something out there, which is really bizarre to me that someone can come to court and they can be suspected of a crime in the courthouse when they're just simply going in at it. Um, somewhat bizarre, but I'm not sure there is probable cause, but regardless, the officers feel they have probable cause, and they were 100% about that. Part of the issue with this case is that uh, his previous defense counsel had to ethically withdraw because of some of the allegations, which are falsifying court documents and violating the no contact order. If, I don't I don't know if that, if that attorney represented that to the court, that that's the basis for their withdrawal. I think they're there's possible other bases for their conflict of interest in involving representation of other witnesses in this case, but we can hash that out later. Right. Counsel, how would you like to proceed today? Um, I think we should let the court address everyone else here in court, and I'll run downstairs and see if I can talk to them about what's pending. As you've stated, your client's not present, so go ahead. Thank you, Governor. Um, so I, I, I will defer to the court. There's some procedures here that I'm no, not comment here. So um, he's downstairs. We did speak. He, he was just on his way to court when he handcuffed. Um, so clearly upset that he thought he was coming to court to address a pretrial hearing and said he's being arrested again. Um, he was surprised. And, um, he was surrounded by several law enforcement officers and, um, and, and the prosecutor came up and represented that she was going to ask for more bail and certainly he was affected by the surroundings. So describing him as, ex you know, excited at that moment, is, I don't know that that's very fair. Uh, um, my observation was that he was surrounded by three law enforcement officers and he was going in to somewhere else that direction. Um, he was literally they were moving towards that door and I said, hey, um, hello everybody, and I walked up. And instead of coming to this door to the courtroom, which is what his intention was, you know, he brought papers and he was prepared for, you know, his day in court. And instead, he's going somewhere else again, um, based on in, in his mind. And I would suggest that the entire defense mind, not a crime. Right. The court needs facts. I, what I'm hearing is we think this happened. This might have happened. I need an officer to come testify and tell me the facts. Madam Prosecutor, you may clear. Thank you. Can you please state and spell your name for the record? Randy Olson, O-L-S-O-N. And Officer Olson, how are you employed? Uh, I'm employed as a police officer with the city of Volatile for the past 34 and a half years. And can you tell us what occurred um, today, roughly at 1.30 p.m.? Yeah, it, it, was, it was closer to about 1.25. I, I was at the, uh, at the front security metal detector. Um, Mr. Johnson had already been in the courthouse, uh, and he was standing near the exit doors to, to the courthouse. His, my vision of him was obscured by the metal detector, but, but I knew he was there. Um, and then I saw uh, Amber Rasmussen and, and uh, Athena Nazarian uh, walking up and coming into the, the entrance uh, at security, and they opened up the door, 
walked in and only, only took about one step. And I, I had not been hearing Mr. Johnson saying anything over, over in that area, which is only about seven feet away from where I was standing. But at that point, I heard him say something to the effect, and I don't have the exact quotes, but it was something to the effect of, are you kidding me? And I heard, leave me alone. And I, I could see the, the two women, um, their body language, both sort of withered back a step away from the area of where he would be. He's about seven feet away from them also. Um, they, they took a step back like next to the window and they kind of, they, their eyes got big, so sort of a fear, a look of fear on their face. And I looked at, I looked at them and then I stepped, I stepped over and I looked at Mr. Johnson who was standing there. Um, his hands were to his side. I saw that he was holding a cell phone, but it was down at his side. And then I looked back at the women and I said, did he just say something to you? And, the, and they both nodded their head yes to me. And I knew that that was a violation of the no contact order. So I called my Sergeant, Sergeant Brown, who was actually standing outside uh, the front doors. And I told him that there had been a violation. And he, he walked Mr. Johnson away from the women more this way towards the courtroom. And I think he took me into custody at that point. Mr. Trumbull, do you want to be heard on the probable cause before I make my ruling on probable cause? Sure, I would. Have, I mean, I also, just for the record, would have liked to ask the witness some questions, but I understand the court's previous ruling. Um, you're, uh, you know, this is a courthouse, and people come here to resolve conflicts. Um, everyone is allowed to be here. Um, it appears, and I would have loved to ask questions about him being on the telephone, um, whether they could tell if he was on speakerphone or what the nature of the call was, um, what the officer observed before the women came in, um, if he was, if he seemed to be speaking with someone, um, but we're just cutting right into the moment they came in. Um, he was on the telephone with someone, his phone was in his hand, um, and uh, he was discussing the nature of why he's here with someone. I would love to have asked questions about that. I'm sure they're listening now. We'll talk about this at the trial for finds probable cause. Um, but, you know, you, you can be at the courthouse, especially when you're ordered to be at the courthouse. You can, <clears throat> you can have reactions and talk to people and say things, and people can also misunderstand you. Um, it's very close quarters out there. <clears throat> the... Uh, you know, the courthouse is a special area, and the standards are different. Um, people should be, um, it's not as though he left here knowing that they were out there <clears throat> and walked over and stopped them. He was out there on his phone waiting for me to come in, and I'm sorry I wasn't in, and pulling him into the courtroom and keeping everyone separate. That's certainly the, the best practice for everybody. But here's someone who's responding to the court's order to be here, um, out there making a phone call in an appropriate area, instead of making a phone call in the courtroom. There's not a lot of areas out there to make such a phone call. Um, and certainly he was surprised that they were here. It's a pretrial hearing, and there's no reason for them to be here. Um, nothing that he and I had discussed. <clears throat> certainly, um, 
the, the, the city's wick at motion was, uh, you know, I, it's something that I had been working on. I was reading in the, in the car, but it wasn't something I prepared for today. I certainly didn't prepare for that with Mr. Johnson. So that was not something he was ready for, that they were going to be here. I didn't know that they were going to be here testifying at a pretrial. I understand this is a motion um, that the city drafted and spent a lot of time on. The city really communicated greatly about, the, about what was going to happen, and they told me that they were going to make this motion, but I didn't realize it was going to involve a lot, a lot of testimony. So I was not aware that they were going to be here. So it was a surprise, and I think it's a normal reaction just to when someone feels um, like Mr. Johnson reasonably does, that there's a group of people that are misconstruing everything about this case, which started as a misconstrued set of words, but the courts heard all these the evidence prior to my coming out of the case, so um, I don't think it's a surprise that he had a reaction. He was talking to someone on the phone about it, so thank you. We proceeded with the hearing as planned, and Ben was charged during that hearing with two new violations of breaking our domestic violence protection orders. And after hearing the testimony from the police officer who had witnessed everything, Ben was immediately found guilty. Amber and I finally had another win, and it was about damn time. I do understand what you're saying, Mr. Trump, that the court is a safe haven. We have our courts so parties can come and resolve their cases in a safe and peaceful manner. But that doesn't mean that you can come into the courtroom and violate no contact orders. Uh, I understand that Mr. Johnson uh, maybe sees the facts different than the witness and an officer that has 34 years of experience. But the court does find probable cause on the two violation of no contact orders at this time based on uh, Officer Olson testifying under oath as well as Miss um, uh, Nazarian. And uh, so based on that, is the city asking for conditions? Yes, Your Honor, the city is asking for an increase in bail Total, we're asking for an increase of $700,000 for this particular violation. I am asking for a $200,000 increase, and that's um, for the other violations I'm alleging it's 700000 Initially, it was five hundred, but then this incident happened uh, after I wrote my motion. Um, I'd ask for all the remaining conditions to remain. Um, Mr. Johnson, uh, at this time, as I stated previously, I'm very concerned with the allegations of you coming into court today and making uh, verbal uh, contact with the alleged victims. When I know previously this no contact order has been go on, gone over very clearly by your previous defense counsel because she stated that continuously on the record that she's gone over that no contact order with you. Based on that, the court uh, is going to uh, issue bail and cause number Three four four six three, and that was initially set at a hundred thousand. I'm going to increase that into a hundred and ten thousand. I have to send a message that you can have no contact, even when you come to the courthouse orally with the uh, alleged victims. 
And on cause number uh, 34627, I'm going to increase that by 5000 for a total of 15000 um, because the court, as I've stated, uh, we are trying to make sure that when this case gets to trial, I'm also looking at the potential of witnesses being intimidated, et cetera, and I'm very concerned over the allegations in the courthouse today. I'm also um, very cognizant of the amount of bail that needs to be posted in these cases, uh, and so I think that is a proper, and it sends the message again to Mr. Johnson, do not violate these no-contact orders. If they are violated again, uh, even as, as you might say, in a not very serious manner, they are to other people, and the bell will increase significantly. So, Mr. Trumbold, I know you've just come on to this case. If you can please go over this, obviously, with your client again and uh, the bell will be increased at this time on both of those matters. Next time on Ex-Wives Undercover. Hearing myself say all those things, it was shocking. It was, it was like, wow, like I am a survivor, you're a survivor, and Sydney is a survivor. And that was just a, I mean, I just touched on a handful of things. That wasn't everything. Yeah. But then I thought to myself, Damn, we've been through so much and we are still standing. And Did you feel like a sense of, I don't know, I guess that was sort of closure or so I thought. And that, you know, when they said you get a five-year no contact order, it really did nothing, <laughs> as we know. Yeah. So at that moment, did you feel like, okay, everything's going to be great and no. it's all put to rest and... Um, I, I guess I was naive to think that, oh my gosh, finally it's done and we'll just go on and I know. he'll be gone and he'll leave us alone. And then I realized that there's no weight with a no contact order. So mm. all of that, that pleading guilty meant nothing. And once again, if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review and make sure to join our private Facebook group for even more juicy info. You can also find us on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. And of course, you can always visit our site at www.xwivesundercover.com.